Welcome to the Military OneSource podcast. Military OneSource is an official program of the Defense Department with tools, information, and resources to help families navigate all aspects of military life. For more information, visit militaryonesource.mil. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Bruce Moody. Today's topic is connecting with your teenager. For today's discussion, we are joined by Renee Roman. She is a licensed social worker with more than 30 years experience. And Renee, welcome to the podcast. Hi, it's great to be here. Thank you for joining us. You know, before we begin, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself. Certainly. Um, I am a licensed social worker. I've been working in the field for over 35 years now. I've specialized in work with adolescents, children, and their families. Um, one of the areas of concentration that I'm currently most involved in as a trainer and consultant is problematic sexual behavior. So working with families and youth who've engaged in problematic or illegal sexual behavior, as well as working with the communities um, that surround them in order to make it a, a safe community and a safe place for these youth to be able to get community-based treatment. All right. Well, what are some of the most common challenges that teens are facing today? Well, I think, you know, first of all, we need to take a second and just remember what it was like when we were teenagers, right? As teens, there's so much going on in their world and as was in our world. But I think even more for them than there is for us. These kids are struggling to figure out their place in the world. They're trying to pull together all of those desperate, disparate parts of themselves. Um, I'm maybe an athlete or a math whiz or a chess player or an actor and how do i put all of those things together into one person who do i want to be in this world how do i fit in with my peers how do i fit in with my family's expectations you know where do i see myself in the future and while they're trying so hard to kind of figure out who they are they also have all of those hormonal changes that are going on in their bodies and all this growth happening and there's just a whole lot of changes in just about every aspect of their lives that's happening in as a teenager right so how can parents better relate to their teen during these times I think first trying to remember what it was like when you were a teen, but even when thinking back what it was like when you were a teen, you know, some people have teenage years that they would go back to any day of the week, right, and, and do over again. And others are like, gosh, if I never, ever had to visit my adolescent years again, that would be great for me. Um, but just trying to remember what that period of time was like for them, but then recognize that I think even now with, with our teenagers these days, there's so much more pressure on them. Um, you know, they have the access to the, that internet that is constantly, you know, they are constantly um, in connection with people through through their phones and through computers and through their gaming systems. And that puts a lot of pressure on them, as well as we really are sort of in a society that's kind of requiring our teens to be thinking, much earlier than maybe for some of us, what they want to do after school, who do they want to be, um, and start planning and plotting for that much earlier in life than, than maybe we started. So what are things that parents can try to get their teens to open up some more? Hmm. Opening up. 
I think it's really important that parents plan some time to be able to have conversations with their kids, something that's predictable for them. So maybe they always go and do errands together on a certain day of the week, or they always cook dinner together on a certain day of the week, something of that nature, so that kids know that they're going to have their parent particularly if there's multiple kids in the home, to themselves for a period of time to be able to have conversations or to bring up things. I think it's really important that parents frequently have conversations with their kids and that they don't shy away from maybe some of those harder topics or those topics that as a society we tend to avoid, topics around relationships or sexuality, all of those kinds of things. I think that having those conversations or at least opening those doors to topics to ask kids how they're doing, ask them what's happening in their world, you know, how are things with their friends, those kinds of things. Engaging in those conversations makes kids know that these are okay topics for us to be able to talk about. So if I have questions, I can come to you, I can talk to you. You have made that an okay thing for us to do. So looking at some outside factors, looking at friends, especially social media, something we definitely didn't have when we were teens, how are these outside factors influencing teens? So many different ways. First of all, it is a place to go for information, right? Kids will go there when they have a question. That is their go-to. You know, type it in, ask Google, ask Alexa. Somebody will answer your question. Unfortunately, the sources of the information that they get aren't always the best sources, and they don't always get the best information. And that's one of the reasons why I think it's really important that parents also present themselves as a source for their kids. The other thing that can happen on social media is that when kids do go and maybe they're asking personal questions or, you know, things about topics that it's hard to talk to adults about, it can open them up to being actually a victim to someone to take advantage of them in some way or to try and take advantage of them. So I think it's just really important for parents to be aware of how much access their kids have regardless of age to social media and who they're communicating with. Um, You know, these days kids will describe their best friend or the person they're dating as someone who is off in California or perhaps even in a different country when prior to social media, you usually dated the people that were around you, right? The people that you had contact with. But now because of social media, kids can have contact with anybody basically anywhere in the world. So how does a parent's influence uh, differ from these outside factors? So it's a good question, Bruce. I think that, you know, we have studies that show that parents still have the biggest influence on their kids around those major decisions in life. If a parent talks to their child about sex and about sexuality and about relationships, we know that those youth are likely to engage in those activities at a later date than their peers. We also know that parents still influence those big decisions around substance use and also about career planning, like sort of where they're going to be, what their hopes are for them in the future. Um, So our parents still have the biggest influence on the big decisions, but our peers tend to have more control over those everyday decisions that we're making, like what we're wearing and where we're going and how we act, those kinds of things. Well, thanks, Renee. So we're striking a positive tone here. Should parents set expectations and boundaries for their teen? And if so, why? Absolutely. Parents need to set boundaries for their teens. Um, You know, 
it's great if you like your kid, but you really need to parent your kid. It, it, it doesn't do anybody any good to try and be their best friend, right? Parents need to let kids know what our values are in our family, what is important to us, what the rules are in our family. And in addition, sort of what are the consequences if those rules are broken? You know, most kids will complain about that. They'll complain about the parent who has a curfew or about a parent who calls ahead to make sure that there's going to be adults at the house if their child is going over there and, you know, say things like nobody else's parent does that. Why do you always have to do that? That's so embarrassing. But the reality is at the end of the day, what we know from teens is that they do understand that that means their parent cares, that their parent has an interest in them and that their parent wants what is best for them. So as much as they complain, they need it. They actually appreciate it. And I think it's really important that parents do that. In addition to that, I think that, you know, parents need to be consistent in the messages that they give their kids so that um, a youth who, say, is is at a party and their friends are all encouraging them to, um, to drink or to do some substances or some things that are present at the party, if the kid says, you know, I can't do that, my parent would kill me, if the parent has consistently given the message that that's not okay, they haven't given times where it was okay in their house, that their friends are well aware that the parents give the message that that's not okay. It's easier for that youth to back out of that behavior and not engage in it, as opposed to trying to say that and them being like, yeah, but your parents were partying with us last weekend, or but your parents bought us stuff two weeks ago. Um, it's much harder for the youth to be able to use their parent as a way to avoid peer behavior while still saving face. Okay, so boundaries can really serve a purpose for the teen. But can there be too many boundaries, too many expectations that you set upon a teen? Yeah, I think that I often like to think about adolescents very much like I think about when my kids were like two, like toddlers, right? Um, when kids are toddlers, they have to try to stand up, right? And and that's the first part of walking. And we know that several times when they stand up, they fall down. But as a parent, you're there to kind of catch them. You let them hit their bottoms on the floor, but you're making sure they're not hitting their heads off of things, those kinds of things. You're there to kind of protect them, guide them, but you still allow them to engage in a behavior that may surprise them when they actually fall down, right? And when they start taking steps, you're sort of, again, you've got your hands around them to make sure that they don't bump into things or fall and hurt themselves, but you let them stumble and you let them fall. The same is true of our teenagers. Uh, when they are making decisions in life that parents are thinking, well, that's not really the best decision. We're still there to protect them from making those, you know, poor decisions that can have major consequences in their lives. We're still there to kind of try and buffer some of that behavior, but we do have to pick our battles. We can't battle over every single thing. We can't have a rule around every single thing. We have to really hope that the time that we've spent with them, the values that we've modeled for them, the values that we've communicated to them and that we've lived as a family, that they've internalized those and that those are gonna impact the decisions that our kids are making. So it's, it's interesting you talk about managing growth opportunities, managing failure. So at what age should we be establishing boundaries with a teen? 
I think those boundaries need to start very, very early, way before adolescence. If you think about uh, when you greet a family member, for example, or they're leaving, you know, very often parents will say, you know, go give grandma and grandpa a kiss goodbye, give uncle so-and-so a hug. And when kids balk at doing that, they're like, go on, you're going to hurt their feelings if you don't do that. And I think that, you know, we really need to take a step back from that. And we need to teach kids that they don't need to hug someone that they don't want to hug and they don't need to kiss someone that they don't want to kiss, regardless of whether or not that hurts the other person's feelings. That teaches kids that they have agency around their own bodies and who has a right to touch them and who they have a right to touch. So we start teaching our kids about sort of some boundaries around their bodies, as well as consent, right, uh, in its earliest forms, and that those lessons will carry over for when our children reach adolescence and they are entering into relationships with partners. And it also opens up that conversation that they don't have to do anything that they don't want to do, and that they need to ask their partner's permission in order to engage in certain behaviors. So I think when we start those lessons very, very early when our kids are young, that those lessons can transition into as they get older and as they start exploring different relationships. So these lessons are not one-way conversations. They're they're engagements. They're two-way conversations. So uh, talk to us a little bit more about this. What conversations should parents have with their children that may ease these challenges? I love that you use the word conversation. I think a lot of times parents in particular, when they're talking to children, their children, they think that they can predict what their child is going to say or, oh, I know where this conversation is going, so I'm going to head it off. I'm going to save myself some time here. And I think that as caregivers, as parents, we need to take the time to listen to our kids, to listen to all that they have to say on whatever topic we're conversing on. And I think also as parents, we tend to want to jump in and solve the problem for them. And I think that it's very, very important that we don't do that, that we let the kid solve those problems themselves if they want to. We may ask, we may say, you know, I, I think I have some thoughts about what might help in the situation. Do you want to hear that? And if the kid says no, they may have just wanted to vent. They may just want to be kind of processing things out loud, but they want to solve that issue themselves, that we need to engage in those kinds of conversations. And I think no matter the topic, if we engage with our children in that way and allow them some room to make their own decisions, run those decisions past us if they want, for our opinion, um, that from a young age, they learn that that's an okay thing to do with this parent, with this caregiver, which is really, really important when we start looking at them potentially making decisions that can be dangerous for them, that can put them at risk for you know either getting hurt or getting into some kind of trouble. So listening, not interrupting, asking lots of open-ended questions, good questions to figure out, help them figure out where they are at and what they're thinking about it, and then not trying to solve the problem for them, but offering to be there to bounce off ideas or to ask permission to offer your own thoughts, I think are the best ways to approach those conversations with our kids. This has been a very valuable conversation a lot of good information. As we wrap up, I just invite you to share any other advice with uh, parents on the subject. So I think that, you know, I, I've mentioned a couple times that as a society, we tend to 
avoid or skirt around subjects around relationships and sex and those kinds of things and sexuality. But I think that it's really important that parents have those conversations with their kids. I, I sadly have worked with many, many youth who have gotten into trouble because they haven't been aware of things such as laws around those types of behaviors. They haven't been aware of what the age of consent is. Um, and that can be really complicated for folks in the military, right? Because if you're OCONUS, is it the age of consent in the country that you're at? Is the age of consent on the base? Is it federal laws? Is it the state that you're living? And sometimes it's even where you are on base, right? So I think that parents need to do some research into knowing what is the age of consent in the state that they live, and then how do they let their kids know what that is and how that can impact them and the decisions that they're making. And then also on the topic of consent, to talk to their kids about what that really means, that consent isn't something that's given one time and it's over. Consent isn't something that's just implied. If, if a youth is with a partner and they're kissing that partner and the partner seems to be enjoying the kissing, that they can then take it to the next step, right? Um, that there needs to be a pause and there needs to be an ask. And, and we talk about an enthusiastic yes that the partner must give. So just a, I don't care or I guess so is not an enthusiastic yes. And that should really mean that the behavior stops at that point, that the youth doesn't take it any further. It's hard for kids to understand that consent is something that needs to happen for each maybe sexual act that they engage in, but so, so very critical that that happens so that people know they have a right to say, yes, I want to do this or no, I don't want to do this. And also so that the person who is asking can clearly get the message that this is okay or that, that this is not okay. And I think that if parents have those kinds of conversations with their kids and talk it through, that they will go back to those conversations in their heads when they find themselves in those situations. Such important information. We appreciate this. You know, Renee, as we wrap up today's conversation, I just you invite you to share any final thoughts on the topic. I think that, you know, adolescence can be a rough time, but it can also be such an exciting time. Um, you know, you're launching through, through the process of adolescence, you're launching your child into the adult world. And, and I think parents need to take some time to actually enjoy that and enjoy being with their children and, and doing things with them um, to the extent, of course, that our adolescents will do anything with us. Um, but I think just enjoy it um, and, you know, start start that process of, of relating to them as a person, letting them become who they're going to be. And, and it can just be an exciting time for everyone. Renee Roman, thank you so much for joining us today. And I want to point out that we have a number of resources in the program notes. And of course, you can contact militaryonesource.mil. Uh, our call center, our information for reaching the call center is on our website. You can speak to somebody um, directly on this topic. And I want to remind you that Military One Source is an official resource of the Defense Department and we want to hear from you. You can use the link in the program notes to send us your comments, your questions, or an idea for a future episode. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts because we cover a wide range of topics to help military families navigate military life. I'm Bruce Moody. Thanks for listening. Take care. Bye-bye.